Hello, 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 and welcome to another bonus episode. Today's is going to be a wrap-up of March, just a little bit late in the month of April. <laughs> um, this is a majority of the media that I consumed over the month, though I think I might be missing a few things here and there, but that's okay. These are, I guess, just the highlight reel. And after making this list, I've also realized that the TV shows were the majority of what I focused on last month. Um, so going forward, I'll try to make sure that I'm a little bit more balanced, but that's all right. We will press on. The TV shows I ended up watching last month were The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window, the latest season of F is for Family, which I believe is uh, season five, and then I caught up with two shows that I had started, I think, in the previous month, um, but Raising Dion and Stargirl were the two of them, and then I also was able to watch the first episode of Moon Knight. The books I read were Ace of Spades, which I had started in February and finished in March, and I also did the last episode about that book. I also read The Lifted Veil, which is a novella by George Eliot, and I began reading The Hidden Palace by Helene Wecker, I believe is how you say her name, um, and I was able to finish that up in this month in April. Movies I watched were basically none. <laughs> none I really want to admit to, anyway. Obviously, I watched The Last Airbender last month as I did an episode about it, and maybe that's why I didn't watch any other ones, because it was so bad that I just, you know, couldn't <laughs> watch anything else. We'll just go with that, uh, and not that I'm a sham of a podcast host. <laughs> um, and of course, I watched Palm Springs as I did uh, that episode two weeks ago about Palm Springs as a rewatch, um, but that's pretty much everything that I watched movie-wise. And that's it. Uh, so let's dive back into the TV shows. The first one I watched was The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window, and I did not know much about it. I knew Kristen Bell was in it. She had been, you know, hyping up on her Instagram, so I knew that much, and I also knew that it was a show on Netflix. I had a general idea about what the genre was going to be, but I'm going to be real honest here. I did not know that it was satire until my brother told me it was satire. And that was after I'd watched the first episode. <laughs> Talk about a whoosh over the head kind of a moment. Um, but then it was super obvious that it was a satire after he told me things clicked. I had watched the first episode by myself, but when I went to go rewatch it, um, my husband agreed to watch it with me and I continued the series with him. That second watch made me realize just how dumb I was for not noticing, um, but honestly, I really loved it, and even my husband really liked it, and we don't always agree on humor. Um, he doesn't always like the things I find funny, uh, but we both laughed a lot during this show, so I was very pleasantly surprised uh, and glad that he liked it as well. And if you still have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, this show, as made very obvious by the title that completely went over my head, is a satirical take on those kind of crime drama movies and books that are so popular, especially right now, the kind of murder porn and the crime, true, true crime podcasts and all the other things that are very in right now. Um, I loved that this had some subtle humor mixed with some very over-the-top, very obviously satirical moments. I also really liked that we saw these same tropes that we're used to seeing in this genre, but just kind of pushed to their limits. That was, I think, done really well. 
Um, but I guess that's what a satire is, right? You take it to its limits. I think Kristen Bell did such a great job in this, and it's a definite must-see show. Uh, lots of twists and turns. Very, very much if you love those kinds of like genres, you love those kinds of books or movies or TV shows, and you kind of want to see something poking a little bit of fun, um, definitely check it out. F is for family. So my husband and I watched this show when it first popped up on Netflix. Uh, we were scrolling through trying to find something to watch after the T-W-I-T-H-A-T-S-F-T-G-I-T-W, which is, you know, the Kristen Bell one, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Um, and we realized we hadn't seen the latest season. Uh, we had, you know, like I said, we watched them as they popped up and then I think we just had seen that it came out and then just didn't have time. I don't remember why we didn't watch it, but we finally were able to watch it. And I, I loved the last season and I, I think the whole show as a whole was pretty fun. Um, and it had its, you know, little dark moments (laughs) that I liked. Uh, I want to say it's kind of, maybe not quite to the extreme as Bojack Horseman, but maybe you can kind of lump it in as one of those kind of animated, can get kind of dark shows, um, maybe a little bit, slightly, like Venn diagram, slightly overlapping kind of a thing. Uh, but yeah, so F is for Family is an animated show. It's set in the 1970s and it's kind of loosely based on Bill Burr's childhood. Bill Burr is the middle child, uh, in this family and he actually voices the dad in it, uh, not himself. But it's essentially about this kind of dice dysfunctional family in the 70s. Uh, It's funny, like I said, it's a little dark and it's full of 70s references, so that's always pretty funny. Um, I liked all those little references and those little tidbits and things. So yeah, so if that sounds like something you'd like and you want to watch a show that's fully complete, I would definitely recommend you go check it out. I think the last line of the show definitely makes like the entire show worth it. (laughs) It's one of those. but I really liked it anyway, so last line or not, it was still a good show, and I still really like it, and I still recommend it. So Raising Dion, um, I watched the second season last month, and I I thought they did a really great job with the second season. Uh, they didn't try to redo the first season, but it also still was felt very connected to what happened in the first, um, without trying to like mirror it. I liked the progression of all the characters and the story, as well as the inclusion of more powered people, um, powered people that were, you know, both the originals, but also like descendants. I really liked the exploration of that. And I'm really hopeful for the next season. I can't wait to see all of the characters and see Dion's powers evolve and kind of see where this next storyline kind of continues. And I think they've done a really good job of making it all feel kind of organic and not forced. I also finished watching uh, both seasons of Stargirl. I believe I watched both of them last month. And I must say, for a DC show, I think it was done fairly well. It's better than the average CW show, and also I think better than the Titans show on HBO. And since this has been on both networks, uh, HBO for the first season, CW for the second, I think that's a good sign. (laughs) Although I will say a lot of the CW show started off fairly good, and then just devolved into chaos. So I guess we'll find out. 
Um, but then again, I also really liked, well, well, I also liked the Teen Titans, um, the Titans show on HBO and the second season I couldn't even, I don't even think I watched. I don't know if I finished the first season. I don't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> it got really bad and I just, I couldn't do it. So I said, no, thanks. I didn't want to put myself through that anymore. Um, so I'm hoping that Stargirl being better than both of those shows starting out, um, I hope that that's a, that's a positive, <laughs> positive sign of what's to come. Um, I'm enjoying the storylines and the villains and the occasional scene with Joel McHale. I'm definitely looking forward to what's going to be happening in the third season, and I'm hoping it involves more Joel McHale scenes definitely not as well done as like Raising Dion was, but it's fun and I don't hate it, which is a plus when it comes to DC shows. I also was able to watch the first episode of Moon Knight. Um, that was the only episode I believe that came out in March and I loved it, of course, because it's Marvel and they know how to make a show and a movie. <laughs> Uh, definitely gave me some early Doctor Who vibes, like Rose in the Shop vibes when the doctor comes and rescues her. I don't know if that's because of, you know, he works in a gift shop at the British Museum, um, because, you know, the doctor loves a gift shop. I don't know if it's because of the Rose-like British accents, whatever accent you would say that is, but I'm not versed in what all those accents are, but Maybe they're kind of similar, at least to these non-British ears. They seem similar. I don't know. But it was very Doctor Who to me. Um, so that's a plus. And of course, it's freaking Oscar Isaac. So what's not to love there? I have seen the next, I think, two episodes that it premiered uh, this month. And I'm continuing to love it very much. I am excited for the rest of the episodes and where we're going. Um... Of course, when I first watched the ep the first episode, I was very disappointed when I realized I didn't wait quite long enough to watch the first and second episode <laughs> um, together, but that's okay. I should probably work on my binging and watch things a little bit slower, but I can't help it. I started I started watching or rewatching Degrassi uh, less than a week ago, and I'm already on season seven because I just can't stop myself. <laughs> Uh, but that's okay. It's okay. Anyway, now let's move on to books. I also did not read a lot of books this month, probably because the two books that I did choose to read were incredibly long, because I guess that's just like the standard length nowadays. Like, they're all over 400 pages. I wanted to read Legendborn next, but I ended up reading, um, one of the book in the Wayfair series because it was shorter, and I want to try to read more than two books this month. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But anyway, uh, the first book that I finished was Ace of Spades, uh, in the beginning of the month, in the beginning of March. Um, I did do an episode last week about this, so I probably won't talk about it too much, but you know that I kind of liked it, but also I feel like if they had just reeled it in a bit more, it could have been so much better, right? Like, the problem with institutional racism is that it's so woven within our society that it's not like a if we take care of this it fixes it kind of a thing like it's it's subtle sometimes it's overt sometimes it's you know five layers deep worth of stuff 
And I just feel like if they had scaled it back a bit more, it would have made it feel more, not only realistic, but it would have had a greater impact, right? Like, I understand you want to have a positive, like, we conquered the bad guy at the end. But to me, it just felt like not only was it too in your face, it was also just like, I don't, I don't know, it was, it wasn't as impactful as if it had been this small, you know, this small group that helps behind the scenes instead of literally, you know, the entire school. Sorry, I should have said the spoilers at the beginning of this, but if you listened to my last week's episode, then you already heard all the spoilers. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll move on so I don't get too wrapped up in this. Uh, one of my best friends got me a book journal for Christmas because she is incredibly thoughtful. And each month it has like a little bit of a prompt or a challenge and March's was to read a novella by a famous author. It had three suggestions and I decided to just pick one of those instead of going out and trying to find one on my own. And so I went with The Lifted Veil by George Eliot. I really liked the premise of the story that the main character, when he's a child, gets like the ability to know things about the future. Maybe even a little bit of mind reading? I don't know. I th That's kind of where I feel like I didn't like it as much. It wasn't super clear about what his abilities were, and maybe that's because of the time it was written. Maybe that's reader error because I can't read and understand old-timey English very well. <laughs> or maybe it was intentional and a valid critique. I don't know. Um, I did just want more detail though, but it's definitely an interesting story and an interesting premise. And for, you know, a novella, just diving into a short, quick story that I read in like a couple hours one evening, um, I did think it was pretty good, but maybe I just want more because I'm used to more. Or again, maybe there was more, but I just didn't understand. Um, either way, I think it was pretty good. And if you want to read, you know, uh, something pretty quick that's sci-fi-ish, uh, go for it. Um, I did not finish The Hidden Palace, uh, by Helene Wecker last month, but I did start it and I ended up finishing it earlier this month. I really loved The Gollum and the Genie. That was the first book, um, and it was released in much earlier. Uh, let me see. So that was released in April 2013 versus The Hidden Palace, which was just published in June of 2021. So quite the gap, um, but I really loved that book uh, and I was very excited when I stumbled across the sequel. <laughs> Uh, and I really, I just was very excited because I think that the Gollum and the Genie is kind of what led me into some of the, um, kind of fantasy, fantasy, uh, fairy tale genre. I know I had read a few more before that, but I think this was the book that kind of got me seeking them out a bit more. Um, I also really love not just the fairy tale aspects, but the time period and how she was able to kind of mix it, the fairy tale and the time period, like with real events. Uh, it's probably, it's probably the first book set in New York that I didn't actually hate it when they constantly brought up New York landmarks. It's actually kind of enjoyable because you saw them from like, you know, the 19th, whatever, 19th century vibes to it whenever this was taking place. Um, so I really liked it. 
and that's usually the opposite for me so I thought that was kind of funny but yeah so I think it's the mix of the time period and the individuals experiencing them and that's why I kind of liked it a bit more than normal but I ended up loving it of course because it was a great book and I'm hoping this means that she'll give us a little bit more um, I'd love to see where they're at in the future, like in modern times or something. I think that'd be really cool, but I'd also be okay with just these two books, but I love the world that she built. So we'll see. The two movies, uh, that I watched, I already have episodes about, uh, which again were The Last Airbender and Palm Springs. So there's not really much more to talk about there. There are so many movies out there that I want to see, but March was just really busy on the weekends and I wasn't able to watch as much as I wanted to or really watch anything else besides the TV shows. <laughs> uh, I'll be making sure that I watch the movies in the upcoming weekends and in fact I've already knocked out a couple of them from my list, so I'm hoping that I can kind of catch up with some of the movies that I had missed, like Encanto and whatever the other Pixar ones that have come out and Disney and stuff. I don't know. I'll dive back in. We'll see how it goes. And all right. Well, I think that's it for now. Thank you so much for joining me. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Mixed Media Reviews Podcast, and you can find me pretty much anywhere you find your podcasts, probably. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Bye.